With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But it is some first-class trash. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. That's hit to center and hit pretty well. Going back is Rickard. Still going back at the wall. Leaps and gone. A home run for Nelson Cruz. A drive to right field. Back and gone. Wow. Kepler with a mammoth blast. The fourth home run tonight. Oh. Can you... Can you play those again, Jonathan? You know, I, it's been a while since we've heard the sweet crack of a bat like that. Happy opening. Play happy, the montage. Happy, happy home Just play opener, the montage. I'm going to hit the center and hit pretty well. Going back is Rickard. Still going back at the wall. Leaps and gone. A home run for Nelson Cruz. Oh, yeah. That is a, that's a tasty crack of the bat. Yeah. I feel like I want more cracks of the bat. Ah, ah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, that's a buffet. <laughs> Injected into yeah. my veins right now. It's a buffet of crack. Yeah. Is this all of them? Is this, yeah. is this all of them from last year? No, this is just the montage we made last year. The, all of them is still being in, it's still in the works. Oh, oh wow. Wow, what's it's that? taking that long? What's going on? There's 300 Rami, of them, guys. Rami's right. What's going on there? Oh, can, no, we, no. can we just loop this under the whole show it between is. four and six? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I honestly would not mind. I don't think that would get annoying at all. It's amazing. You know what we should try? These are experimental times, right? Yeah, we're experimenting with crack. Exactly. Of the bat. Yes. (laughs) Can we try a show with just the sound of batting practice in the background the whole time? I'm sure we can find that. Or maybe just ballpark ambiance. Jonathan, can you just go to YouTube and just just search ballpark ambiance? Love it. And see what happens. Let's let's at least like you know how in video effort. games you yeah. can you can kind of hear the buzz of the crowd and a guy shouting out every once in a while like popcorn. Yeah, it's like all those <laughs> baseball video games from the early two thousands. I bet it's available. I mean, I could just I could just do it the whole show if you guys want. I could be the ballpark ambiance if you guys want. Actually, could you just maybe that can just be your new thing for like the second hour of the show. <laughs> You just sort of, you just sort of sit in the background. Hey, you know what? <laughs> whatever they ask, whatever they, whatever they ask you to do these days, yeah. you're gonna. Be I do a pretty good impression of the churro guy from uh, from the the Padres churro vendor. I can I can do an impression of him. Like it's very it. much like Luis Arise. He just goes churro. 
Well, that wouldn't get wildly I annoying. Was say, <laughs> how quick before you God. turned on Cheryl guy and like shut the bleep up? Wait, John, did you did you find ballpark ambience? I just searched baseball ballpark ambience, and it just has. There's the first one is an hour and fifty one minutes. So perfect, perfect. for our show. Oh, wow. Perfect. Oh, Fired up. Let's get, so let's get us right into the end of the show. It's not play by play, right? It's no, just it's ball- just oh. the ambience. So let's try it for a segment. Is, yeah. This is an actual recording of a live professional baseball game minus the in-between innings, an authentic audio recreation of the pace and flow of a real game. Let's just try it for a segment. Well, let's tr- turn, we try it? turn it up a little bit and just let's hear what it sounds like. Oh, yeah. I don't hear anything. Oh, you don't hear anything? Until we get no. loud heckler guy. Robbie's going to start dropping Oh, uh, no, no, no. This, no. <laughs> oh, there Nothing we go. Yet? Okay, now I got it. Yeah, I can hear it. It's good. Oh, I love this. Oh, that's glorious. This is nice. Cross a little... So. Yeah, but come on, folks. Let's get a little you want more. Be louder. Hmm. No, I want someone to react to something. Let's just start it. Oh, this is great. It's possible that this is a Twins game from like 2013, and there might not be a lot to react to. But this where's is mid, the organ? This is mid '90s Twins. I need organ. No, this is perfect. What's the visual on this video? Uh, Coors Field. Oh, really? I like Coors Field. Okay. Gorgeous stadium. Yeah, let's keep this looped. Oh, there's an umpire. Yeah. Oh man. So. Uh, oh baby. In fact, I just heard the pitch. If. if yeah, yeah, I heard the pop of the glove. You're going to hear the catcher's glove again. Yeah. One second. Pace of play is terrible here. Yeah, really. Throw the ball already. Come on! That's why we need a pitch an authentic clock. recreation of yeah. pace of play. I know. There it is. There was. Ball here. Yeah. This, by the way, is what baseball junkies are forced to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> This is, it. This, is a, this is literally us like scraping remnants of baseball out of the crevice. We're of in our the couch. baseball gutter. I need it, man. We're I need in the baseball it. gutter. I need it. He OD'd. He OD'd on baseball crack. He's dead now. Just like we've we've gone through all of our drawers. We've gone through all of the couch cushions. We just need a little baseball, man. Like, oh, did you yes. check the? Did you check under your car seat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> A little baseball, man. Oh, this is great. That was a strikeout right there. You guys hear that? There's, There's the organ. There. There's the organ. Yeah. Little organ in there. All right. Yes. Great idea, Ronnie. Oh, dude. Great idea. This is so, the best idea I've had in my entire radio career. So Judd actually made his way over to Target Field today. Yeah. Where was that experience on a 1 to 10 cryptic and depressing scale? Oh, it was a 9 as far as depressing goes. But was anybody it else was necessary. over there? There were two workers in the stadium. How'd you get in? Did you go in? No, no, oh, no. Okay, all it's right. gated up. Yeah. No, but but there were two guys I, I saw. Stop you! Straight in the upper deck. Um, there was no no one there, and so I immediately, of course, got tweets back saying, "This doesn't look like a necessary trip. This doesn't look like a reason to leave home." Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wow. People are really chirping you for that. But if you're confused. Well, you're on your way to work. Well, but but people are driving to the lakes to walk around. I was alone. I was perfectly safe. Downtown, so I drove from my house in St. Louis Park to the ballpark. Got in my car at the ballpark and drove here. And I don't suggest this. I literally, though, could have run every light if I wanted and not gotten broadsided. <laughs> like, no one's downtown. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, but but my point is, don't chirp me. I'm being safe. Unless I went and licked Target Field or a statue. <laughs> But, we you are avoiding, but you kind of wanted to, right? Because I just want to, to cry. Because baseball. But the thing about this is we're trying to avoid humans. Humans are the problem here, not the stadium itself. Yeah, you can't 
coronavirus can't pass out, or the, the exactly. ballpark can't give you coronavirus. Exactly right. So by just standing there in the great wide open on the plaza, I was fine. But it was a nine. It was depressing. But it had to happen. Yeah. So, oh, there it is. Little crowd noise, yeah. Yeah, it's right there. This is... Jonathan, this is great. Well, someone nice There's a too. pitcher just mowing hitters down right now. All I've heard so far is a foul ball. That's the only contact I've heard. What is this like? Ubaldo Jimenez's peak year? <laughs> this might be the no hitter he threw. Heaven here, Colorado. Uh, yeah, this would ordinarily be really like one of the five most popping days downtown Minneapolis oh. of the calendar year, right? Where and right now, be an hour in, right? Yeah, game the, game, the game would usually start at 3.05. This game would have started at 3.05. Gorgeous day. You know, I'm just like, what I love the most about the home opener day is walking around downtown two hours before the game. Last year, we were at Kieran's doing our shows. Absolutely. Seeing people day drinking at Kieran's, day drinking over at uh, all the different breweries hmm. around the stadium. Seeing the weird, pointless ticket brokers that still exist. Like, I've never been able to figure Scalpers, that out. Scalpers, you mean? Yeah, the scalper guys. Yeah. Like, we've got... We've got StubHub, yeah. and we've got all these ticket platforms, and yet there's always just like a guy on the corner with 250, like a who handful tickets. of tickets. Who's got tickets? Who needs tickets? How is that who's guy got tickets? Money? Who needs tickets? Do you need tickets, sir? I don't get that guy. Yeah, but, 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 that I, but, a, I, but I miss but that, that guy. guy. But that guy's a staple. Like, I, like I, he I, might I, be pointless. Yeah. He, he might be pointless, but he's necessary. It's comforting to see him there, though, isn't it? It is. Yeah. He's like a game program. <laughs> the rosters are on your phone now, but if you walked into a ballpark and some guy with, with, with was not saying, score, get your scorecards, your pencils, and your program, scorecards for $5, you'd be like, where's the scorecard guy? What do you guys miss most about today? I like scorecards. Home opener guy. day. Last oh. week was actual opener day, and today is Rami? home opener day. Just the vibe, just the feeling in the streets. Like, it's what, like, in today's society... There aren't many things that we all get on the same page about, or even a large group. And I know not everybody is a baseball person, but it seems like on opening day, everybody is a baseball person. And we're all on the same page. And we don't hate each other. We're not bickering over stuff that doesn't really matter. We turn off like all the 24-hour news networks that all suck for a day and just have fun and enjoy sports and all be one people. That's what I miss about opening day. It re- I mean, this is going to sound cliche. It's Americana, guys. Opening day is Americana. And it's one of the few things that is still Americana. Yep. It's one of the very few things that we all get on the same page about and all enjoy simultaneously and collectively. Yeah, the new Americana is just CNN's We're All Gonna Die ticker on the right side of the screen <laughs> that they yeah. keep up all day long. <laughs> That's the new. Oh, we reached or a million Fox. cases. Let's celebrate today. Or Fox and, and next we come back with recipes right. that you can make. It's like... I mean, I, I would agree with Rami in that I think opening day represents spring. It represents, I think it represents just the pulse of knowing that you have baseball for the next six months. And you've got a trip to the ballpark if you want 81 different options. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks to know that we're going to go into these next few weeks and maybe even these next couple months. And we're not going to be able to go to Target Field and sit down and grab a hot dog and have 70 degrees of sunshine in our faces. We're just not, unless you do what Judd did, which is just social distancing. Ramble your way now. around the outside of the ballpark. It's fantastic. Oh, nice little, uh, Somebody nice got little a catch hit? in the outfield there. I think that was a catch, yeah. I think that's so, sliding, sliding catch, so it sounded like to me. Baseball, to me, I think on a day like this, what I miss the most is baseball to me, because football, hockey, and basketball don't have this. Opening day, especially, is families. Like. It, if you go to a Vikings game, if it's 
father and son. Son's probably 21. Dad's 47. And they're both hammered, right? But if you go to opening day, it's it's dad, mom, son, daughter, right? They're not all drunk. Dad might be drunk. But they're all going to the ball game. And, and there's something so special, too, about walking into the yard, I think, for the first time each year, seeing just the pristine grass, infield perfect, coming off a, a time where your front lawn still looks like crap and theirs doesn't. <laughs> And seeing the guys playing on the field, playing catch, there's just so many subtle little things about baseball that we absolutely positively take for granted that I don't know other sports can mirror or have, but baseball has those things. Let's uh, let's take 30 seconds for us to shut our yappers and crank up the random baseball ambience here, Jonathan. Chad, are you keeping score right now? Actually, that was a strike. The electronic strike zone would have gotten it right. Hey, my scorebook from last night, awesome. Probably you know that uh, scoring that game last night you know was so much fun. We did a Minnesota Sports Rewind episode. Wait, oh, oh. that's a hit. That's in the gap. What's happening? That's in the gap. He's rounding first. Oh, he's going for two. He's oh, safe. Safe at second. Woo, yeah. Oh, that's a home run. Oh, it was a home run. run. My bad. Look at me. I'm Chip Carey over here. That's a a liner. That's That's down. It's gone. That was a reverse Chip Carey on my part. Swung on. Line drive. Left field. Caught. No way. It's a grounder. I'm drunk. That was Dante Bichette. Galarraga's coming up now. Yeah, Rami, uh, we did a Minnesota Sports Rewind episode this morning. Which, by the way, you can find anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or the Scorn or that. And Judd actually used his scorebook, because what else is it doing? It's $30 scorebook. collecting dust, right? Yes, sir. Uh, he used his $30 scorebook to score Game 1 of the 2004 ALDS, the last Twins playoff win, is the episode we did this morning. And what, you went back and watched it and scored it while you were watching it? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, Judd, yeah. Judd oh, watched wow. it last night oh, and wow. scored it. Yep. Wow. I scored the You really are game. a fiend for baseball. <laughs> I, I mean, like this, to score baseball games. This is what baseball junkies do. <laughs> it's a hobby. They find random baseball ambience on the internet. It's meditative. It. it is meditative. And they score games from 16 years ago. And the fact that that game went only two two fifty three was incredible. Yeah. Do you guys have you guys seen these commercials that run for the the Calm app? It's like a meditation app. Yeah, I have it on my phone. Mm-mm. So they run these commercials, and I have it on my phone as well. Maybe Rami and I could do some guided group meditation on the next Mackie and Joe with Robbie happy hour tonight. I'm scoring on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Enthralling. Yeah. Uh, but Good, I'll be drinking. They run these 30-second ads where it's just the calm app on the screen with, like, some water in the background, like a babbling brook or something. And it's just like... <laughs> Thanks, Jim Nance. It's just a timer counting down, and it says, here's 30 seconds of stillness. Okay. I think we need the equivalent for baseball. Can Major League yeah, Baseball just run? Yeah, I've said this for a like, long time. Here's 30 seconds of baseball ambience Love it. sprinkled into your commercial breaks. It's a great idea. Yeah, they have like white noise machines. They have like ocean noises mm-hmm. and forest noises. I don't know how this isn't on a white noise machine already. Actually, like, that would be so much. That's a great idea. Thank like, would you. you. Like, would you guys? There's there's a there's an app on all of your smart TVs that's called Slow TV. Yeah, it's a Norwegian company that just filmed like 200 different 
three, four, five-hour scenes. Like, here's a camera mounted on top of a train running through Switzerland, and you just get, like, two hours of yeah. Switzerland, like, Alps, I think whatever. you showed right? that to me once. Yeah. Like, we need that for baseball. Can someone just play three hours of ambience? I would, like, we'd put that on the screen all day What here. would happen if, if th- that was put on some type of nighttime machine? And as I crawled I- into bed, I told the wife, no fan tonight. What we're going to have all night long is just crowd ambience from a baseball game. Now, she'd probably tell me I'm crazy, but I think I could sleep really, really well. Oh, I would well. sleep great. I think I'd sleep like a baby. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jonathan, can you send me the link for this? I'm just going to play this on my TV tonight while I sleep. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yes, actually, I will send wait, you no, guys the link. actually, if you could, send if you could send it out to us on Twitter, and then we can retweet it for the audience, okay. so that everybody can have access to this. We can be very giving with our baseball. Ambience. I wonder if the Twins have this somewhere from Target Field. I bet they probably. I mean, they have, they ca- just, they have cameras mounted everywhere. They probably right. have just like yeah, with no talk with just audio. the noise. Yeah. Um. So, just real quick, speaking of like. Social media. I had this thought cross my head today uh, because there's no live sports. There's not like I'm. I find myself at night just scrolling through social media, and like ninety percent of the tweets are just coronavirus related things, and like people retweeting panicked things about statistics, and all of them seem to be very valid. But I don't think I would feel quite as uptight about all of this if it were happening ten years ago. And I could just mostly ignore it because we didn't have social media, right? Like, and part of it, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone but myself because I could easily put my phone down. But is social media making your guys' angst when it comes to coronavirus higher like it is with mine? Or is this just a me problem? I, I'm really, really skilled. I've become really skilled at not seeing what I don't want to see on social media. And I don't follow... A lot of news outlets, I, in the morning, every day, I'll read one or two articles about the coronavirus, about measures that we should be taking to not spread it, because it seems like those parameters and practices, seem there, there are updates to them every day, so I check that, and I check to see the numbers, like how, how we're trending, and where the numbers are trending, and then I don't, and then I don't really consume any coronavirus content the rest of the day. Hmm. I'm... I'm kind of a ninja on Twitter. I've I've really, really honed the skill of blocking out the negative and embracing the positive on Twitter. Yeah, I've made the mistake of doing the opposite, which is uh, I found a website called worldometers.info. Yeah, you need to uh, like unfollow, up, dog. Up What's that to, it's got up-to-the-minute updates on how many cases yeah. in each country Why? and in each state. Why? What good is that going to do And how many you? people are dying by the hour. What and good I'm is like, that going to re- do you? N- literally no good. Well, no, no good at all. But I'm just fascinated by it. Well... Yeah, and that here here's the the only reason to tune this out w- would be if we thought it was being taken too seriously by people, and that they they were trying to scare you. They're not. The only thing about Twitter and social media that drives me crazy right now it's not the it's not the scare tactics because the scare tactics are actually accurate dating back to the saturday before st patrick's day when all those morons decided to go out and we all said what are you doing this is coming and it looks bad right the only thing that bothers me and i can't tune them out but it's just a reminder of how dumb some people are are the people who are still convinced it's not that bad or what was the thing that i saw you phil retweeted today 
right before the show started. Was it the governor of Georgia? Yeah, is is just finding out. Who's just finding out the people the who are asymptomatic people can, can transmit the disease. Yeah. That's the type of stuff the that virus. that's Hold the on, type what? of stuff that drives yeah. me crazy. A governor? A governor. Yeah. You yeah. said a governor just learned that? Yes. Let me find this article here. The governor of Georgia, which, if you know... Is where the CDC yeah. is, right? Yeah, it's where the CDC yes. is. So he has that's what's basically the government crazy. agency that's tracking this stuff yeah. and trying to prevent it. That's now, what's driving I will me say, state. Not to get political here, but I would say that the publication that sent this headline out, it would be a different headline if... But here's the headline. If it was a different outlet. Georgia Governor Kemp says he just recently learned asymptomatic people could transmit coronavirus. Quote, we didn't know that until the last 24 hours. Like, really? politics aside, dude, right? like, information is your friend. Okay? Correct. Correct. At least be making your decisions based off correct information. And I saw that. I was like, is, so, this, is this an Onion article? But that's like, the, type, but that's the get, type of thing that bothers me. Like I said, I read one or two articles a morning about this. Don't these dudes get briefings? I've heard governors and mayors and politicians say that they spend all day on coronavirus conference calls. Yeah. It took till now for somebody to mention in one of these conference Dude. calls to the governor of Georgia that asymptomatic people can pass on the disease? Honestly, I think we're at such a crazy time and moment in our country's history that even different sides of the political aisle... And again, I don't want to turn this into a political show, but like different sides of the political aisle literally look at, at information that comes out and says, well, I mean, I mean, based on where that information is being reported or based right. on who's saying that information, it can't be true because you're this type of political affiliation. And so I, I don't I, I almost think that I almost think that we need to just remove all politics from all of this and we can resume that in November. Sure. Let's just make prudent decisions based on facts. Done. OK, like, yeah, if it's a year from now, whatever. But my point is, but to your question, Phil, it doesn't bother me to read the scary things about this because, as far as I can tell, those things are real. And so this is, again, if people were trying to scare you and you said, you are full of BS, then it bugs me. No. But it's real. It's real. And as I said two weeks ago, it's scary and there ain't nothing we can do about that. And since we just went down that depressing rabbit hole for three minutes, let's shut up for 30 more seconds and listen to baseball. I like this segue. Oh, call me. Pop of a fastball. Right. <laughs> the bat weight. Oh, oh, broken bat. Foul? Is that foul back? Just foul. Okay, yeah, on the first baseline. Interesting. Yes. yes, I love the segue there. Like we can talk about anything. It could be really, really this deep. Will, this will calm us right for down. Thirty seconds. We're I was really like, angry there for a second, guys. Yeah. That somebody who could have as much power as a governor doesn't know something as simple as that. That really disturbed me and had me upset. Amazing. And now I'm now I'm totally grounded. So uh, <laughs> this this is a moment in time that I wish. We didn't have social media sometimes. I know that it's my fault that I'm consuming yeah. too much of this. It's my fault not I to take it on right his fault. But Rami, Rami sent a note in an email earlier today mm-hmm. about sports moments or times in history that you do wish had social media. Okay. What would you guys put on that list? What are some moments in sports or things that have happened that you wish, man, it'd be really fun if we could follow Twitter while this is going on? For me... 
There are two. Both Chicago sports related. Not shocking. I know. When Michael Jordan went to play minor league baseball. Oh, my gosh. Because, like, there was more coverage for that than there was for normal minor league baseball. But even with Michael Jordan there, outlets were only going to dedicate so many resources to covering minor league baseball, even with Michael Jordan being on the team. To get sort of an inside view, because a lot of young people are, are are on his team or were on his team and would be on the gram or on Twitter or on TikTok, and we'd sort of get an inside look at what it's like to ride the bus with Michael Jordan, to be part of all the hoopla that, that surrounds him compared to your average minor league baseball game. That would be super fun. And then the 85 Bears. Imagine the 85 Bears on Twitter. Imagine like oh, so you're thinking like if Jim McMahon had a Twitter yeah. account, yeah, not like oh my god for fans. And you know, to... you know, Jim McMahon would have a Twitter account because he wasn't one to stifle himself. He's the guy who mooned helicopters and wrote Roselle across the front of his headband when they told him to stop wearing the Adidas headband because it wasn't an NFL sponsor. He was not a guy who was shy about expressing his opinion or to rebel against power. And I think certainly, if it was if it was at his disposal when he was at the height of his powers. He would have used Twitter and social media for, for, for his own purposes. So thinking about it that way, I do wonder if Randy Moss had come around 10 years later, if Randy Moss had entered the NFL when it was just common for young players to have social media, what would Randy Moss have been like on Instagram, on Twitter? That's a good question. Like what kind of stuff would he have been posting on his Instagram stories in the off season? Yeah, I don't know. Like is Randy just going to... Is Randy going to fire up a little? You know, uh, thought Stephon, a little Stephon Diggs was ominous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know? Thought who, he was an enigma. Do you know who m- might have been fun back in the day around that same time from a Vikings perspective? Dante. I could see Dante embracing Twitter. Moss, I don't know. Moss was really, really guarded. Dante's small hands would have had a problem with these big phones, though. That's <laughs> he might have dropped the phone. Yeah. Hey, you guys, I I got a thought with. This playing, which is, by the way, perfect. Like, this is it's, it as is, good as I've felt. It is calming my nerves, yes. I think it's time for, for a temporary reband, rebrand of sorts. The sports calm? Like, what could we... Like, this makes me feel at ease. So the rebrand... I think it's sports, it's sports meditation. Is that what it is? It's just, there's a calmness below us that is, I'm really embracing right now. Let's, uh, Just the buzz of the ballpark is... Let's give it 30 more seconds here, boys. Crank it up. Mm. Some crowd dropped the foul ball there. Mm. I have no idea who's coming I to the ballpark. I can't understand name, no. It doesn't even matter. No. Between innings? Oh, the organ. Oh, that's Wrigley-like. Look at that. The hollow organ sound. <sighs> that's what we need. Some Wrigley sound. Rami, can you give us a little downward dog right now? <laughs> nah, I'm going to pass. How about some Warrior 2? Namaste. You good? Okay. Yeah. Dolphin pose? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Jonathan, uh, what moment in history or sports would you like to have experienced social media along with it? Give me the entire 98 Vikings season. Just seeing the Vikings explode like they did, that offense, and then the Gary Anderson missed kick. Just see Twitter or Minnesota sports Twitter wow. melt down during that moment because we know fans oh, tend to no. lose wow. their mind on Twitter. I want that. I remember the, the first great Vikings meltdown in the social media era. You might think 2009 
2009, Twitter was so new, and a few people had Twitter accounts, but 2013, Blair Walsh missing wide left from yes. 27 yards. Like, Twitter was, Twitter was like peak Twitter then. But that was the first round of the playoffs, right? Or the right. division, whatever it was. That was, it, that was the wild card round. Wild card round. Yeah. I think Jonathan's right. If, if that 98 season had climbed up the ladder yeah. for four months and then they fall off the cliff in the middle of the Twitter era, you have a that team that's been. 15 and one. Your fans are all oh my stupidly gosh. excited. You're hosting the NFC Championship game down in Miami. Man. Crazy. Just to see the meltdown no, I, on, on Twitter. Sort of. Bringing it down though. I mean, now I'm not I'm trying to. I'm just, I'm just thinking of Melton. Ninety-eight. I mean, nineteen ninety-one. Just seeing if if the Twins would have won the World Series, just fun. to see the selfie videos of people lighting cars yeah. on fire. <laughs> you know? Oh, we didn't light cars on fire. We were fine. Okay, this is great. Let's turn it back up here. Happy home opener day, everybody. Oh, you yes. missed that pitch. So nice. We are Mackie and Jeb with Rami, and this is Sports Meditation here on Score North and the Score North app. But Ed, when we come back, some sage football wisdom with our friend Sage Rosenfeld. Can we keep baseball ambiance while we're talking football? I mean, I don't see why we. I don't see why we can't. Like Sage it. likes baseball, right? Sage is a baseball. I don't know if he gives a crap about baseball. But but we can still peace. keep the baseball ambiance. Right. But he likes peaceful noise. He does. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep you entertained with baseball ambience from now until six o'clock. Or if you're listening on demand via Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app, give us a five star review if you like the baseball ambience. Ambience or ambiance? I say ambience. Ambiance, say ambience. Yeah, Jonathan, why don't you take us to break with some ambience? Jonathan here with the Score North download. During the coronavirus pandemic, the need remains high for our local Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest as they work tirelessly to provide food, shelter, and a wide array of support services to families with seriously ill or injured children at their Twin Cities locations. Thanks to Louisa Rise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount over at scorenorth.com will receive a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution allows the Ronald McDonald House to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com, keyword donate. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right, thank you, Jonathan. Mackie and Judd with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. Hey, people appreciate the baseball calmness, the baseball ambience. It's fantastic. That won't be the last time we mix in baseball ambience. In fact, it's back. There it is, yes. It is really, really good. Megan tweets in, This has been so wonderful to have in the background of the show. Thank you for all these calming sounds to fill my heart with joy. But also, I'm so sad. Baseball. Chad tries to ruin the moment on Twitter by tweeting, The wave is going around the stadium. Everybody clap your hands. That's the one thing I'm good on. I'm good on that. I don't need... That's the one I don't thing. mind the clap your hands. I don't like don't, the, the wave, no. though. We can do away with the wave. I hate them all. Yeah, it's, the noise is great. Both, both of things. Really? Pushed me up a little bit. I hate it. It'll pick me up. Yeah. Um, as we uh, try to track down our football-loving friend Sage Rosenfels here, real quick. To what extent do you guys think like businesses are being affected right now, and 
you're seeing, what, 6.6 million people this week filed for unemployment, and obviously the economy is going in the direction that it is for right now. Like, long term, the country seems to always pull out of these ruts, but in the short term, to what extent do you guys think the Twins are going to be affected in 2021 by all of this? I mean, Royce, brought this up on our show yeah, last it's week. A, that it's a really, really good point. Um, so here, here's my thing, and th- this is not just the poll ads. This is people who own sports teams. Are, su- are incredibly successful business people, but for the most part, unless right now you're in, let's say, the medical supply business or something, you are taking a bath not only from your sports team, but your businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, I think in 2021, my guess is the Yankees are fine, the Dodgers are fine. That's my guess. But if you're the Twins and you uh, paid Josh Donaldson and have signed a bunch of guys, not necessarily to huge contracts, but good contracts, and those contracts are close to being up or up, I don't see how teams, and I won't just say the Twins, because that's not fair, lump them in with the clubs that they probably belong with, which is, what, 5 to 10? Mm -hmm. I don't see how those teams just come back next year and say, let's roll the pay, or, or let's run the payroll back, and we're absolutely fine. Your your in ballpark revenues are coming down. I don't know what the insurance on our on uh, regional sports network TV deals are, but if you're not playing games, you're probably not being paid. So so to me, this is not a discussion about the poll ads are cheap. This is a discussion about really a slew of teams in all sports that are going to probably have to cut back because the people that own those teams, as you've said a thousand times before, Phil, they don't own those teams to purposely take baths. Yeah, and they're taking baths right now, both in their sport and but in their businesses. Unless, unless we're talking worst case scenario here, like depression worst case scenario, the the value of these teams is going to continue to go up. And yes, it's more an extreme case this season than it is in past because you don't have revenue coming in. But like you just pointed out, Judd, there are insurance policies on the possibility for revenue not coming in or revenue lost, whatever the case might be. I I don't know that the long-term effect really should be that much. Like I said, unless we're talking depression bad as far as the economic impact of this thing. I don't know, I don't know that we're that it should affect payrolls for the Minnesota Twins long-term. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I never budgeted that amount of money. I have a hard enough time budgeting my own money, which isn't much, but I I don't know. On the outside looking in, I it doesn't seem to me that it should affect that much. Yeah. So Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. And the value of the team is going to keep going up ultimately. I think it's going to have I think it's going to have an impact in the short term in terms of how much money they're going to be able to spend on players next year. And so I think with that, knowing that they're going to have to get rid of some veteran players for next year, I think it makes them less likely to trade from their prospect group this year, Absolutely. which could decrease their chances to win a World Series if the season starts at all. In in all of sports right now, give me what you guys think are, let's say, the five most impacted teams short-term. Because, yeah, in five years, who knows? This could be, we could be all absolutely fine. But right now, as far as I'm concerned, if you look at baseball, football, basketball, hockey, I can identify my top team right now that, that was having a great year and has probably just sunk the Bucks. Now, the Bucks might still be good, but the Bucks were having a special year. Mm-hmm. That's gone. But I think in my top five right now as things fall, which means we're probably playing baseball if we're lucky in July. If we're not, we're not playing baseball. I'd put the Twins in my five. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. A lot of their key players, Josh Johnson, older. Nelson Cruz, older, right? Jacob Arizzi is only under contract for one year. And, and Cruz is starter. going to lose a year, potentially. He's yeah. never getting back. Yeah. So, like, he's not he's not going to say, yeah, you know, I got um, I couldn't play in my age 39 into 40 season, so what I'm going to do to replace that is play my age 44 to 45 season. Right. Sports don't work like that. There's a lot more meat on that bone. We should dive back into that conversation because I just think, like, the impact on teams and the Twins and then the discussion of, hey, if it's billionaire owners and there's no salary cap, could you stand to lose a little money for a couple of years to keep teams afloat with the same roster? But our football-loving friend Sage Rosenfels from Purple Daily on Mondays and Wednesdays here on Score North is on the line. And Sage, I hope you don't mind a little baseball ambience in the background here. This is supposed to be Twins' home opening day, and so we are just looping baseball stadium ambience all throughout our show today. So don't be distracted. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as soon as I came on, I could smell the hot dogs burning. Uh, That was (laughs) nice. And, And I could hear... Uh, somebody belching from a nice cold that was, that was me, whatever, my apologies whatever the beer so. choice is uh, <laughs> uh, at Target Field um, and, and in Twins fashion, open day fashion uh, it might snow tonight or tomorrow right, or something So, uh, cold front coming through here So, um, but uh, enjoying the day enjoying the, the sounds and uh, it, does, it is nice to have a little, uh, a little music in the background or a little sound in the background you can feel like you're actually at a ball game Yeah. so I mean there's a lot of things we could probably get into with you, and the draft is on the horizon here. But uh, on-air production meeting, there's I would just love Sage Rosenfels to give us, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but give us like two or three choose-your-own-adventure things that we can learn about inside football stuff. Like stuff like, you know, like like one example could be what a quarterback has to do at the line of scrimmage to make sure that the play goes off correctly and or identifying the defense. Like, what are three things that we can choose from and have you take us to school and explain okay. inner workings of football on? Yeah, so let's get into, I think, the most complex of all the at-the-line-of-scrimmage offenses I was in where the quarterback really had to do a lot of things. When I was in New York behind Eli Manning and those Manning brothers, both of them, finagled with the line a lot, audible a lot, uh, were given that sort of capacity at a very young age uh, from NFL coaches to sort of take command of an offense. And I was, uh, you know, this du- that double-A gap that you, you see a lot uh, with the with the Vikings defense. Well, he would do this protection. It was called 80 key. And Eli would walk up there, and he'd change the, the mic uh, declaration to the weak side guy. He'd go 80 key, 80 key, put his back Football. to the, the, t- the tight of the tight end, put the back to the side of the tight end, the, the running back is going to go strong to weak, uh, and the line's going to squeeze it on the inside. The weakness is the tight end on the right-hand side, which is why you put the running back there so he can chip on his way out. Then you have to audible to only three people in the passing game at this point. So 80 key, you to make that weak side linebacker your mic, and bring that guard down, bring that tackle down. Uh, we should be good to go. Wow, that uh, was you got to play the football. Come on. Three more times. Football. Football. All right, gentlemen, fire away. What what inside football things do you want to know about? Rami, you want to go next? When quarterbacks talk about going through their reads, Sage, do we oversimplify that when I think, like, okay, the receiver all the way on the left is the first read and the next guy over to the right is the second and so on and so forth? Or is it a little bit more complicated than that when you're talking about going through your reads? Yeah, you know, there are really, I would say, two types of main reads that people sort of talk about. 
uh, what we call a peer progression, which means it's a, it's a full-on, no matter what the coverage that they're def- the defensive playing, you are going from one to two to three to four. So you're working your way and, and you know, basically seeing who's open. It's a pure progression. You also have a, 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 a progression where at the snap of the football, there are some plays that are good versus single high safety defenses when there's a free safety right in the middle, and there's some that are better versus two high style safety defenses. There's also plays that are better versus man than versus zone. And so there's other plays where at the snap of the ball, let's say to the right I have a, a single safety type of play, and to the left I have a safety type of play. Uh, and that's a different type of read because then you're actually going off of the rock and roll of, of the safeties and, and things like that. So, uh, And then you have what you call a pure progression with an option. Like oh, It's a pure progression, but if you get one-on-one coverage on, on your ex-receiver, you're going to take a shot and throw a go ball to him because we like that matchup. Football. Hi. How can the person in the press box at home watching the game with a beer or sitting in the stands is there a way for the uh, common folk to identify the mic? He's the middle of the three. Very, very easy. He's the middle of the three. Uh, uh, if, you, know, you have your Sam to the strong side, usually to the tight end. Uh, you have your Mike, which is next to him, and then you have your Will linebacker. And so there's, sometimes, there's, sometimes there's four guys up. And that's why you have to decide should the mic go to the left or the mic go to the right because you have to decide, you know, basically, you know, create, tell where the line goes. You know, and the thing is, when you're when you're calling out the mic, it's not where the line is going; it's where everyone's starting. And then the line from there, they goes, okay, this is a mic play or this might be a will play or whatever. And then they sort of make their calls accordingly. But you have to sort of set uh, the defense uh, and it put everybody on the same page right off the bat. Football. Not listen, football. Yeah. All right, hold on. Before we get back to asking Sage, do you guys know where Omaha, Omaha came from? By the way, no. Hold on. Hold that thought. Oh, hold that ahead. thought. Before we get back into more football questions, let's let's pod the baseball and got candy over here. here. Yeah. Got candy. Thank you. I'll take some of that. The pink stuff. It's my favorite. Uh, do you like the pink stuff? The organ playing. I like the pink stuff. Yeah. Oh, base hit there. That one just got through. Nice. Right up the middle. The shortstop's a little slow. He doesn't have great range. You're right, Sam. Nah. A gritty player, though, okay? Sure glove. When he gets his hands on it. Little Mark Belanger. Oh, Mark Belanger. <laughs> Mark. Well, it's important to be, it's important to be strong hit. up the middle. Uh, absolutely. Football. Every sport, you got to be strong up the middle, so. <laughs> Okay. Where does Omaha originate from? Mm. That originates actually from Eli Manning, not Peyton Manning. Really? And it came from that he uh, did so many things in the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, all that Auburn, all, all that went on. Because in Gilbride's offense, he was really into having more three receivers go down the field. Their tight ends and running backs weren't a big part of their passing game. And so it was a lot of sort of seven-man blocking schemes with your tight end and, and, and running back staying in. And he had all these option routes going on down the field. So Eli had to, like... He wasn't like a get-the-ball-out guy, uh, uh, um, uh, Gilbride, Kevin Gilbride, the coordinator. He was like, hold on to the football and, and give your quarterback time and a ton of time in, in those seasons with a really good offense line. But also the tight running backs were like last in the league in, in combined catches. And so uh, Eli had to do a lot at the line. Uh, and there was times where you look up the play clock and it's at three and, and you're trying to set everything and let, like we have, we have to snap the ball. So he came up with Omaha, Omaha for some reason. But his, and then uh, um, Peyton actually copied him. They, they talked about it one time and Peyton goes, oh, because they, they didn't have a, 
a word like that. So then Peyton started using Omaha, hmm. Omaha, and became more infamous. Okay, more infamous, so but Eli's the one who actually started it. So when Peyton Manning is, and I was watching Peyton's places, uh, ESPN ran like twenty episodes of Peyton places. Yeah, I watched last a couple. It's great. And one of them was about Peyton Manning's dummy calls at the line of scrimmage. He would get up there and basically like. The, the receivers are on a need-to-know basis when it comes to, like, line calls and vice versa. And so I would just, like, randomly yell stuff to throw the defense off. What percentage of of words and phrases and things that are being yelled at the line of scrimmage by the quarterback are just bluff terms to try and throw the defense off? Peyton Manning was the one who did that the most. It was, like, all misinformation, and a lot of it was just nothing. So... Um, you know that you have a certain system. You usually, have like a, a certain color or a certain thing that uh, that sort of starts. It's almost like baseball, right? It's like when the when the sign is on. So uh, you that's know, what I was just going to say. This sounds like a third base coach who's really very much, most of the movements are just to throw you off the trail. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he did. So, and then wow. when he actually was all to blame. Um, it, the thing is, it made the defense basically sort of not move. You know, you, you didn't know when the ball was going to be snapped, and he was up there talking, and, and it, you know, it, they sort of had to do basically one of two things. You couldn't run around and get opposition because then he'd catch you in another another one or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he, other than him, though, most of the guys, there's not a lot of it. You know, his, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the West Coast offense, that's the whole point of it, is that the quarterback doesn't have to do a lot of those things, that they can go back and they can just play and that the, the route concept should have answers within it to get the ball in time, and you shouldn't have to do all those things. You should have an answer uh, you know, within the route concept. Football. Cage. I, I feel like these trying times, boring times, trying times, call for recollections also of football stories you have that will take us back to a better time, 2009. <laughs> Tell You're me. a masochist, man. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm going to ask you about a game that you won, but I want. I want an explanation of why this was I didn't a win big it. deal. I was just on the team that won. Uh, Go ahead. Yes. All right. Well, you were on the team. I was in the press box. Uh, but Favre was mic'd up for a game against the Lions that you guys played in the Metrodome in 2009. Oh, and if man. and if you recall on the sideline, there was a play in which Favre subtly, and it really was not that big of a deal to a fan, um, moved Tahi slightly. And he comes off, and Favre comes off the field, and Childress is like a little bit PO'd that Favre moved Tahi. Uh, and to me, it was a subtle shift type of thing. Do you recall that? And also, just in general, why would a coach care if the quarterback moves a guy slightly? I'm trying to understand, but I don't remember that. What, what do you mean that he moved him? So Tahi like, shifted position. Tahi was in the backfield, and he just moved him a bit. He basically oh, just you. moved Tahi from fullback from like to his left, slightly to his right. It was a very, very small thing. But when yeah. Favre came off the field, the mic picked up Childress, and you could tell Favre shot back and was just being funny, but you could tell that Brad was annoyed. And I've always been curious why a coach would even be annoyed by that, when, by the way, the play resulted in a touchdown. Um, I mean, there's a really good chance that uh, Childers had no idea what he was talking about. Football. <laughs> Fair enough. Like 90-10, I would say. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. Brett for sure knew. I was just, I didn't get why yeah, Brett You know, Brett may upset. have done something that, like, maybe, like, I wouldn't have done, but actually probably helped the play. 
And they go, yeah, actually, that was a smart move that why he did that or something. Either way, that was a touchdown. It shouldn't matter. Uh, that's, you know. And uh, so, yeah, Brad may not have known the advantage we actually may have gotten from Brett doing that. Sure. So, Sage, I don't think we've ever asked you this question, but how would the 2009 season have played out if you were the starting quarterback instead of Brett Favre? So that's a good question. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, we actually had, I felt like, a t- pretty tough schedule that season because um, they were 10-6 and six the year before. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I was, uh, I, I thought, you know, Tavares Brown to base the 10-6, right, uh, the year before, and I thought I was as good, if not better. I thought I played better in all the preseason games. The I mean, Gus Farratt was, was, Gus Farratt had a, a lot to do with that 10-6 and record in 08, too, right? Didn't? Yeah, that, and, yeah listen, I, and I played with Gus, I played with Gus, Gus. Um, just before that in Miami, and we were 9-7, and seven, and it was mostly Gus as a starter throughout that season except for maybe a game or two so um you know i thought gus was a pretty dang good quarterback uh and, and so i don't know i, I thought that you know, probably I'll, I'll be a quarterback that, made, that brought the team to the playoffs and uh but you know what Favre did that year i uh, he he did I, he played unbelievable that season i don't think i could have played that well the offense what did not come natural to me bevel's offense it was much simpler um than what i was they asked the quarterback to audible a lot. They asked the quarterback to see all these blitzes, and if you didn't see them, like you know, he spent all his time trying to find the, all these blitzes, and and they didn't do much play action, uh, almost at all, compared to when I was in Houston. We didn't do much uh, bootleg stuff. It was very traditional West Coast offense, and Favre had, you know, a, a greater knowledge of that. And and uh, you know, I I didn't think for me it was um, creative enough for me to have success because I just came from Kyle Shanahan, which is you know we all know. Pretty good about making you know pretty average quarterbacks into really really good quarterbacks. Oh, sorry, I did. I've got one Football. more thing. Yeah, that sounds right. The first time I, I've got one more question about yeah, we got something time. that was discussed extensively before, by, before you ask that question though. We need yes. to hey, Mackie, Mackie, you want a tall one? You want a tall one? We'll take two. Thirty seconds we'll of baseball here. ambience here. Then Judd well, can wait, ask wait, wait, just two. I want one. Yeah, I'll have one too. Yeah, Three, come on, four. four. Let's have four. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sage, you're paying. Yeah, he's the former pro athlete. He got that right. <laughs> he got millions in the bank. Keep it. No, you're good. Sage, favorite ballpark smell. You're good. You're good. All right. What's that? Favorite ballpark smell. Victory. <laughs> wow. All right. Football. Wow. Here's my question. Wow. My question that that I have for you about the current day Vikings, Sage Rosenfels, is this one. So... The Vikings are obviously offensively, their offense is predicated on the belief that play action is incredibly important, right? And Dalvin Cook plays a big role in that. It's, it's yes, so it, uh, absolutely. So here's, here's what I want you to explain. Play action freezes the defense to also give you the ability to hit deep shots down the field, of which Stefan Diggs was probably, I think, without a question, your biggest uh, downfield threat consistently if play action to Dalvin were to work. Who now becomes the top play-action choice if Dalvin serves his role of freezing the defense because teams are afraid he's going to get the ball? Um, hopefully, one of the two wide receivers they draft in the first four rounds that are both four-three guys because they need somebody that can fly okay. and that can take the top off, as they say. Uh, uh, you know, somebody, somebody opposite Thielen, so Thielen can get all the underneath stuff. So they need one of these two guys. I believe though. At least one, if not two, they need to work out uh, to be solid X wide receivers. 
uh, at the minimum, just a threat uh, uh, for for everyone else underneath, you know, Rudolph and, and Irv Smith. That is Sage Rosenfeld. Football. Sage, thanks for coming to our they ballpark. Got, they got to get a wide. They got to get a wide receiver. I think I understand the the Diggs trade. There's positive and negative. So that he's a great player. Mm-hmm. The things weren't working out, and they got really good compensation. They just need that compensation to work out. And it'd be nice if they get two starters with the with, with if not three with the trades uh, with the trade they made first to find Diggs. Well, Sage, enjoy the rest of your afternoon at the ballpark here. Thanks for the beer, Sage. Appreciate you buying us. All right, guys, drive home safely. Uh, oh, I Ubered here. Drive home safely or good. walk. No, I'm I'm good. Or just walk. I'll set. You guys could all you guys could all walk home actually. Probably, probably better for you. Get yeah. my thumb out. It's probably true actually. A little cardio never hurt any of us. All right, bye Sage. See you fellas. Bye. All right, that's Sage Rosenfels, former Vikings quarterback and journeyman. By the way, guys, this is all very unprofessional behavior for the press box. Who's in the press box? What, we're the, t- in the, stands. the tall boys that Sage just bought us? Yeah. Oh, we're not in the press box, dude. We're in the stands. Us hollering for the beer guy from up here was frowned upon. <laughs> we're, in, we're in section 232. Listen, right? Rami, Rami uh, my second year on the Twins beat was 2011. I leaned over the edge and grabbed a couple beers from the press box window a couple times. By the way, uh, yeah. With my eighth good question of the year, I now take an eight to five lead over Judd Zolgad in the good question standings. Rami and Jonathan with just I got, three apiece you know, so far. We forgot to bring this up. I got a very good question on uh, Score North Live yesterday from Joe Nelson. I was here for it. Yeah, he did. Okay, that's fair. Very good question. See? I asked him how the uh, COVID curve in Minnesota. I mean, it was audio, but okay. it was COVID from... curve to uh, here, in the hear. United States. No, I don't have the. Audio. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Oh, oh, Where's it's the from, audio? I thought it's that from was... Declan. I thought that was one but of the Rami things. Let's question. make sure we don't break protocol. We need to make sure that the audio is played for the audio. It's a transparent process. So let's okay. make sure that okay. we get Declan to cut but the audio. But I can audio. confirm. I did hear it. Declan asked the question. No, Declan via, fed me the question. Via email. Rami yeah. read the teleprompter and oh, got wow. the very good so question. So you're just reading good questions off the prompter. Maybe we should give Declan the point. Yeah. No, it's the person who asks yeah, the Ron question. Right. Declan gets and the by, assist. And Declan the, dropped the dime Declan on wrote the song, and he should be getting some royalties And by the way, Sage gives out at least one good question, if not two, per appearance now. Yeah, well, go get them, boys. Sia wrote up. Chandelier, but the, Rihanna gets the credit for it, all right? That's how this thing works. Shh, hold on. Baseball ambience, please. What is that noise? <laughs> I brought Stella. You didn't know. <laughs> he sneak your dog into the ballpark day at Coors Field, Target Field. It's one of my favorite organ ditties right there. Yeah, do do do. It's a classic right there. Um, oh, yeah. Adam's family. Yeah. No, I don't. Th- no, that's uh, that's not that's not Adam's family. But up, but up. Oh, it's Green, Green Acres. Acres. Green Acres. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Green Acres. Ba-da, Adam's ba-da, family ba-da. is in the mix still with the organs ba-da, for sure. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Let's keep that going. We got another hour left on that video, right? Oh, we've got an hour and two minutes. Yeah, we've got just. Well, it's funny because we have literally have an hour and two minutes left in the show. (laughs) Mackie and Jeb with Rami here. Baseball ambience, baseball meditation. Today was supposed to be Twins home opener, and damn it, it's still home opener day to us. When we come back, Rami wants the Vikings to kick the tires on who? We'll talk about it. I'm going to get pulled over. We'll see. I'm getting pulled over. Listen, the hot take police are not as willing to pull people over during coronavirus periods. <laughs> they don't want to catch anything. I saw a guy get pulled over today on 394. I'm like, Did, was that guy driving 150 miles an hour zigzagging? The state patrol officer wanted nothing to do with it, but felt like, what? Well, all right, 
I got it. Maybe he just stopped when he was trying to merge onto the highway like I see people <laughs> doing constantly. We'll come back with more. Mackie and Jeb with Rami and baseball meditation. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together and hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. That grass is so green, and it smells so good. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Ah, there it is. That's the new theme music right there. Right there. That baseball ambience. That's the stuff. Inject that right into our veins. Beautiful thing. All the Cracker Jacks. All the hot dogs. Just the call, just the umpire, the strike call, the sound of the ball hitting the I really want a hot dog right now. I genuinely want a hot dog right now. Does that fit into your new diet? Oh, yeah, for sure. What type of hot dog? It's all about moderation. What type of hot dog you do you need anything. It's just about portion control. What kind of hot dog? Yeah, like, are, are we talking about a Schweiger? Schweiger hot dog? Yeah, like, you know, I told you guys before, I'm a bit of a wiener snob. I like a high quality, mm. high quality meat. You look like a guy who does. I asked a no. serious question, and I don't know what type of answer I got, but I feel no. it's going to be played to start the show tomorrow. Nope. Definitely. So uh, we're going to keep the baseball ambience in the background here until our show is over. <laughs> because, damn it, today was supposed to be the Twins' home opener. And we're not going to let coronavirus steal our joy. So, Rami, uh, while we meditate on one end of things with this baseball ambience, why don't you tell Judd and I and the audience the player that you think the Vikings should kick the tires on? Okay. Can I... I'm going to... I already did this once today, but I'm gonna. I want to again make sure this is under the banner of reckless speculation. Please, Jonathan. Reckless speculation. Because there are a lot of ifs. There are a lot of ifs in this hypothetical. All right. That's why it's a hypothetical. But you just reckless speculation. Double down, double down on that. You just traded away Stephon Diggs, your best big play receiver, your best offensive weapon that you have. And you're not going to replace that production, that production or that impact on the field via a rookie or anybody else that you're going to bring in here at this point. You need wide receivers, right? Okay. If if Antonio Brown's legal troubles clear up and justice is served there, sorry, wow, I just got in the car. I tried. I just got. I didn't even put it in drive yet. Hot take. Is recorded on location with the we men in the sports talk. Racist. All suspects are <laughs> when you went to the bar, we chalked your tires. In hot You've been in there for six court. hours. I've been profiled. You stumbled out of the bar. I got, got profiled. And I don't appreciate it. You look like you were about to do something wrong. No, we chalked his tires. It's an old trick. All right, now that this is all under the... First and foremost... The, the, the double guys here. First and foremost, justice needs to be served. And if he's guilty of what he did, I want to see him... I want to I see him... Serve whatever penalty is appropriate for that, right? But let's okay. say, let's say he's cleared legally, he's cleared by the NFL to go ahead and sign and play football. Day one, whenever that is, that we're playing football again. I don't see the harm in kicking the tires 
on Antonio Brown and seeing if he's got his stuff together. If he if he's recognized that because I I think that there's mental illness at play here, and I, I'm not I don't yeah. I don't say that lightly, and I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. Experts who have observed his behavior have said the same. People in his life who know him closely have said the same. I know this is going to go down a serious road, but too often we treat people with mental illness as though they're disposable because they maybe have done things that we don't like. If Antonio Brown has has recognized the problem that he has and has started to take measures and take actions to correct it, is getting therapy, maybe there's medication involved, I don't know. Again, I'm not a professional. But if Antonio Brown is on the right road and headed in the right direction again, it's going to be a very low-cost, low-risk, potentially high-benefit move to bring him in. And you can bring him in on a zero-tolerance policy and let him and Vikings fans know that he comes in on a zero-tolerance policy. And, and if there is, if he steps out of line in, in training camp or if he steps out of line in Week 10 or 12, that will be the end of Antonio Brown in a Vikings uniform. You make that very clear, and you construct, and you construct the contract in a way that you're not out anything if you have to cut this guy. i got to imagine that's going to be one of the strings attached whenever and wherever he signs. Yeah. All right, let's, let's entertain this notion here. Let's, let's go down this path because I think there are three components to this that you have to vet all three of them very carefully and check all of these boxes to make sure that you're comfortable in all three of these areas. Right? Number one is under the umbrella of the talent-to-baggage ratio that we talk about on this show. Let's let's put the transgressions aside for a second because we'll get there. Is he good enough to justify even having a conversation about bringing him in? And I think the answer is yes. Like he's one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Uh, I don't I don't know where he ranks exactly, but in the last fifteen or twenty years, it's Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and probably Antonio Brown. Right? He's in that conversation of greatest wide receivers of the last. 15 or 20 years. So, okay. And he's still in his physical prime. So that's one category. I think on the transgressions front, the next category, okay, well, there are some transgressions that people don't deserve second chances with, right? If you're Ray Carruth and you murdered a guy, sorry, you're just going to be in jail and you're not going to get your second chance. Mm-hmm. So Antonio Brown was arrested for assaulting a moving truck driver at one point. He's been accused of sexual assault multiple times. He's partaken in other acts of disorderly conduct. And there's just a lot of ambiguity and gray area about how provable are these claims? You know, how, you know, to what degree should he be punished? Will he be punished? Um, it's, it's a, it's kind of a cloudy gray mess. Will the NFL punish him? To whatever extent they can. Right. And that doesn't even count. Like, those are just legal transgressions. That doesn't even count the pain in the ass factor that comes along with him just being a malcontent. And, like, he hasn't murdered anybody, to my knowledge, but he's done a lot of things that make you think twice about giving him a second there, chance. There's one reason why, if you're the Vikings, you can't do this. It's your quarterback. He can't handle them. And that's the third component. How will the locker room and teammates react I, if you bring this? I would need a top five mentally strong quarterback. But like I said, to consider this. if he becomes a problem for Kirk Cousins or that locker room, he's gone immediately. But, but I can't take that chance. Like, I can't invite that, that in. And as I said on Score North Live, 
I'm not a doctor, but here's my feeling. Football is a drug that is that has negatively impacted him for the past year plus. Like, you add in stuff, right? Like, just get, for his sake, just get your day-to-day act right, which is great. And if you do, God bless you. But football has become a negative. And so I can't invite in that problem and then say, because... If you do that, you have to be assuming that the people in charge are are mentally strong enough then to cut that cord immediately and can do it. I saw, and this guy was not a problem as far as mentality went, but that month with Moss, guys, what you they couldn't control him. It was a mess. Childress told Spielman, I can handle Randy Moss, and then proceeded to be unable to do it. And Brett Favre, at that point, had little interest in being like the babysitter of the locker room yeah. in Moss, too. And so, so. So, if I, so if I'm going to go down the, the Brown exploration, it's got to start not only with an incredibly strong head coach, it's got to start with a quarterback who, if Antonio Brown gets the least bit upset, can say, shut up, here's what we're doing. Kirk Cousins can't do that. You just can't. But on the flip side, if Antonio Brown were to come in, fully understand that this is his last chance in the NFL, and he's going to comply and and check all the boxes that Rami is laying out as prerequisites, like, dude, if you don't do this, this, and this, you're out, he helps Kirk Cousins more than any, any player you could probably add short of a franchise left tackle, right? I mean, guys, Antonio Brown, and we're finding out now that he wasn't as easy to deal with behind the scenes as it, as it may have seemed, that they were sort of sweeping things under the rug or keeping it out of the spotlight as much as possible throughout his time in Pittsburgh but he was he was he was not so much of a problem that he wasn't good for Ben Roethlisberger and he wasn't and he wasn't helping them win football games there was a time where the drama versus the 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 the, the production it was it was a net positive for Antonio Brown and he and he and he was a great guy to have on the Steelers it reached a point and i think he started acting out a little more flagrantly I guess is the word that I'm looking for that it that like Mackie said the trouble and the headache that he is it outweighed the benefit and what he was doing to help you win football games obviously and that's why they traded him and it never even got to a point where they thought they could put him on a football field in Oakland but for seven years while yes he wasn't the easiest guy to deal with the Steelers a very good and very smart franchise thought this guy is worth having around the production that we get out of him outweighs the headache that he is so on that production front okay you bring, let's say you bring him in, and it's best case scenario. Man, all right, this guy he gets he gets back on track mentally, and he has he has served a four game suspension or whatever the NFL wants to hand down. That's the other unknown. How much would Antonio Brown move the needle for this Vikings team? All right, since we're already walking down this path, if you added Antonio Brown to this team, and let's say he let's say he has to miss four games, and they play you know they he plays the rest of them. Yep. What 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 kind of damage does he help your offense do? Like what what is the record difference between him and like BC Johnson being your second wide receiver? I think he does. I think if in best case best case he gets off to a fantastic start, he serves a four game suspension, he comes back and plays three games, and it goes downhill from there. It, this team could not control him. I mean, I I am so sure of, of that. I I said this last year when when. Um, Collar continually talked about taking a chance. And at that point in time, it looked far more feasible. And I still I said, no, 
The Vikings don't have the infrastructure. The Vikings are smart enough to know that they don't have the infrastructure to control them. I think that you would get three or four good games, and the problem then is if things are going well, things are going to go bad. You know, Mike Zimmer is a is an interesting factor in all of this hypothetical, too, in that I, there's a lot of great things about Mike Zimmer as a leader and as a coach, but there's also a couple blind spots, and I think Mike Zimmer is less likely to... Put up with certain like Mike Zimmer gets right. a, would get annoyed by he wouldn't babysit like a Pete Carroll oh then almost yeah. like so it takes pride in all right I'm going to bring the yep. guy in that's a malcontent I'm going to put my thing. arms around him right and Bill Belichick has a little bit of that too I think Mike Zimmer feels a little bit put well, off Be- in Belichick like, tolerates you and then cuts you immediately right but yeah a guy like Pete Carroll loves that stuff because he's like yeah like, you know you're part of this or that I think if you were now. If we were talking about Antonio Brown as a cornerback, I think Zimmer might be far more tolerant of, well, he's a pain in the butt, but he can play. I think Mike Zimmer's tolerance for an offensive player who caused him problems. I mean, you know what? Guys, there's probably a lot of teams offensively that would have looked at Stephon Diggs and said, what can we do? How can we make this work? Mm-hmm. The Vikings drew a line on Stephon Diggs. It's, it's also worth noting that Tom Brady has a relationship with Antonio Brown. Tom Brady just signed a two-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady have probably had a ton of deep conversations about how we want to go about winning a championship. And Bruce Arians came out of all of that and said publicly last week, uh-uh, we're not bringing Antonio Brown. And you, you think can, Bruce you Arians would be that emphatic and that decisive if they didn't have four good targets for Tom Brady to already throw to? It's a fair point. It's a fair point. They have two good tight ends and maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the league after the Vikings broke up theirs. It's a fair point. I think to sum up Rami's point that I like the part of Rami's point that I agree with is all right, what's like what's the biggest downside here? What's the worst that can happen? I mean, if and he's if, a headache, he's a headache for a day. I don't I don't I don't see that tanking your season. I would literally I would have that quick, that that itchy a trigger finger with the Antonio Brown situation if I brought him in. If he's a problem for one day, he's gone. I'm not going to sit around and try and work the situation out and appease him. or I'm, I'm not doing any of that. If you're a problem for one day, you're gone. And I don't see how that can how that can how that can wreck a season. I don't see the risk either, because like I said, any contract he's going to agree to is probably going to have strings attached to it like that at this point. The most important thing that, that I have learned from covering sports is the teams that are smart enough to know what they're good at doing, what they can do, and what they can't do. And the 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 answer to the real life question of well, what's the worst that can happen? Randy Moss spent less than a month here in 2010. 2010, yes. And he damn near completely ruined Percy. Okay. It was the final straw. Percy Percy was already on the edge, right? And Randy came in. And Randy's a smart dude. And he's Randy Moss. And, and I'm sure that when Percy was growing up, there was a poster of Moss on Percy's bedroom wall. And Percy took Rand, or Randy took Percy under his wing and ruined him. And that was all she wrote for Percy as far as being in compliance at all with what the Vikings were trying to do. I think if you're going to take a chance like this, you do it toward the end of your Super Bowl window, just as as something that could breathe life back into it. They're not there. And they are. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, this would be... So you're with me. Yeah, we're, I don't, we're I, kicking the tires on Antonio Brown. We're visiting the lot together. I am definitely not kicking the tires. I'm not I'm, dismissing it out of hand. Yeah, I'm not dismissing out it. the tags. Doing some due diligence, mm-hmm. and so boys, listen to that, me. Listen, you are I've not. Seen it. You're not going to get arrested in hot take jail. All right, Rami. Mm-hmm. 
We're going to let, let you get off with a warning on this one. The cop grabbed a beer and got in the passenger seat with me. <laughs> this is not fantasy sports, gentlemen. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. You're right. I did uh, I did crack a cold one in the front seat with you there, didn't I? <laughs> I had to arrest you both. <laughs> uh, we're getting tweets here. At Phil Mackey, at Jay Zolgat, at Rami is tweeting from Roger here. He says, the baseball ambience is fantastic. Kind of reminds me of a nice winter night sitting in front of the televised U-log. Jonathan, let's pod this up for 30 seconds again. boys. Really no difference. Not at all. Nice little wind. The cool breeze. Ah, yes. Nice work. That's very calming. Yes. It is actually calming. This it really is. the is. most calm I've ever felt doing, a, doing a show with you guys. <laughs> You're right. Like, yes. It's great. Very nice. Um, are you guys starting to come around on Trevor Bauer, I've always After, been, I've always liked Trevor Bauer. Really? Yeah, even when I don't like Trevor Bauer, I like Trevor Bauer. He, I like I like that Trevor Bauer is Trevor Bauer. He's not gonna he's not gonna try and be somebody you want him to be. He's not gonna try to make you like him. And I always appreciate that about a professional athlete. You heathens! All you internet trolls out there in Minnesota and wherever else, blowing up my mentions, asking me about the time Max Kepler hit five straight homers off me. All right, you win. I'm gonna break down. Max Kepler hitting five home runs off me. He was able to turn the barrel and direct it, not the barrel, but his hands, he was able to direct his energy more towards the mound this year in 2019. This is one of the adjustments that he made, and he's able to stay through these pitches, and we get another homer. So now that's two, so now I'm But he mad. stays through this ball. He's not rolling over it. He stays through it. Super balanced swing, and we get another homer. At this point, I'm like, it can't keep happening. He's taking a swing at this. His hands go directly through the ball. These couple frames, look at this. They're... Right through the ball, directing it straight towards the mound, stays on it, and we get homer number five. So, wonderful. Now I go into the dugout, and I'm like, this is a joke. I'm kind of laughing about it, because it's just, I'm frustrated. I don't like giving up runs, but it's like, I can't do anything about this. It's just, that's just the way it's going to be, I guess. That's just what's going on right now. Okay, I used to hate him, like, two years ago, because I just thought he's petulant. He's just, like, some of the stuff that he does is Oh, yeah, he is. He is definitely petulant. I feel like we're witnessing a wrestling heel turn into a face right now. (laughs) Like, his YouTube channel, and the fact that he's self-deprecating, and he's fun. And he did the whole thing in spring training where he was telling the hitters what pitches were coming. Yeah. I think he has become the hero and the martyr that baseball needs right now. I am a Trevor Bauer fan right now. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I mean, he's probably he's probably the type of guy who, who if you're friends with, you can't be friends with for long because he's a pain in the butt. And if you're his boss, it's a nightmare. But as far as the fact that he's breaking down Max Kepler's home runs in detail and basically going through the scouting reports and all that, that's fantastic. You know who he is, Mackie? He's The Rock. He's The Rock when he left the corporation and started fighting the powers that be. It's not a bad comparison. And Rob Manfred is Vince McMahon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I never thought of it in that term. Rob Manfred's not that smart, though. 
I think Vince, Vince McMahon's smarter. I think Vince McMahon would be a better commissioner of baseball. I don't disagree with that, actually. Not at all. Vince McMahon's a smarter person. Here's Current the thing. Vince McMahon or no, late 90s no, Vince, no, Vince, McMahon. Vince McMahon? No, peak yeah. Vince McMahon. Okay. Here's the thing about the difference yes, between Rob please. Manfred and Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is a brilliant marketer, and baseball needs someone to help yeah. them market better and just... You know how do we how do we create appointment viewing and superstars right? And Vince McMahon has spent his life doing that. And Vince McMahon's not afraid to take wild chances that flame out in his face, and then the company stays alive. Like well, except for the original XFL. I, I was going to say the XFL with Dick Ebersol didn't. But make like it. the WWF and WWE are are just absolutely saturated with terrible ideas gone wrong and embarrassing angles and moments, and they always live through them. And baseball is so afraid to try things sometimes. I agree. I think Vince McMahon would be ten times the commissioner of baseball that Rob Manfred. Can you imagine what, what if Vince McMahon had gotten his hands on baseball, say circa nineteen ninety five? What would baseball look like right now? Man, <laughs> uh, I think at some point you would have had like a cleanup hitter dressed as Mick Foley with like mankind, like that weird leather mask. Does he walk out to the the batter's box like Mick Foley walks, just hunched over? <laughs> With the, the, the tattered dress shirt yes. and the tie and some blood stains from like, and after a he gets the home runs, ago. he just shoots the guns. He's like, <laughs> Would bats explode? Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you would see a lot more openness to celebration and to fun, and it would be, it would be super fun. Yes. By the way, like even Mark Cuban as an owner would have had influence no, over baseball. Mark Cuban could not own the Cubs. That would have been awful for baseball. Man. The owner said so. Tried to buy him. <laughs> I know did. he yeah. did. And they basically were and like, the you, Pirates. You tried to buy the you Rangers, can't, too. You can't do this. You're bad for baseball. Yeah, you're a billionaire, but you're bad for baseball. Yeah, he, uh, he would have been an amazing owner for baseball. Let's pop this back up, Jonathan. Let's get 30 more seconds of baseball ambience. That's the one critique I'd have with this ambient soundtrack. Yeah. I agree. We could probably use a little bit more popcorn yeah, yeah. shouting. Yeah. It's nice. Very nice. I think we've invented a new business here, gentlemen. We've got Mackie and Jubba Rami quarantine like happy hour. Right and we've got Mackie and Jubba Rami quarantine meditation. There's hour. a lot of broken bats in this game, yeah. by the way. That's at least two or three. Yeah, if we can figure out who's pitching. I don't know. Hold on a second. You know what, then? This game, then, is from about 2003, right? What What was the, the era? I want to say it was the early 2000s. It was definitely when the Twins they went were to in the Metrodome, bats? and they were using, like, I don't know what the bats were, maple or something, but they were breaking all the time. It doesn't happen as much now. But bat heads were flying towards players, almost taking their heads off. Yeah, Jonathan, do you have any information on the era uh, of this game? I looked through the comments and stuff, and no one knows when this game is from. So. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, It was boys. posted August 29, 2016, so okay, from a while back. Well, when we come back here to the calmest edition of Mackie and Jub with Rami of all time, thanks Baseball Ambience, in other news and a mock that we overlooked earlier this week. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You overlooked. I overlooked. Okay. I mean, come on. You're I'm in sorry. charge of mocks for the show. I overlooked. I do it. my own mocks. You do your mocks. I overlooked it. I will admit it will be overlooked no more. When we come back, we will get to it. 
after we talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company. You know, during these uncertain times, your team at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service. What has not changed is the commitment to providing risk management to help you prevent injuries and save lives. Federated's professional employees dedicated to providing the services you need and the peace of mind that comes with putting your trust in a company rated A plus superior for its financial strength. As a mutual insurance company, Federated believes that their value is measured by the success of their clients. And that means you. If you are a partner of Federated during these uncertain times, you can definitely have a lot more peace of mind than if you weren't working with Federated. They've been directing their clients throughout the country to the information they need on written pandemic policies and procedures, recommended response plans, communications to employees, and more. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more. And remember, at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Just want to let you know of a partner here we have at Score North. We continue to partner with the Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to help make sure our area children continue to receive the meals and care that they need during the coronavirus pandemic. Thanks to Louisa Rise and the Minnesota Twins, one lucky person who makes a donation of any amount will receive a signed Louisa Rise Minnesota Twins jersey. Your contribution enables Ronald McDonald House Charities Upper Midwest to continue to provide critical services to families dealing with a child's health crisis. Those services include overnight accommodations, complimentary meals, fully stocked pantries, laundry, and more. To donate, please visit scorenorth.com keyword donate. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackie and Jonathan Rami. All right, thank you, Jonathan. We will get to in other news. Rami always brings the heat. I got a couple stories in here that I think you guys are going to love too today. And we'll bring our baseball ambience back in here. Two hours of baseball ambience in the background because this is Twins home opener day and we will not be deprived, damn it. This is awesome. This is a great idea by me. Just going to throw that out there. It is. Yeah. It is. Mm. By the way, some other suggestions coming in from our talker earlier in the show. Which past Minnesota sports events do you wish social media was around for? People responding on Score North Twitter, at Score North. The 2003 Gophers Michigan debacle at the Metrodome. I'm actually good on social media. Right <laughs> what would have your good social idea. media been while you were at that game? Does Mace, does Mace, poop emoji. Does Mace get fired sooner in oh, the era of Twitter? Absolutely. He gets. He probably gets fired two or three years sooner. Because he got well, the contract. Yeah, he, gets, he probably gets fired after that Wisconsin they game. They gave him the contract, right? And he was like a year into that contract when they lost the Texas Tech game. How many coaches would have been fired sooner if Twitter or social media was around? There's probably a lot of coaches in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that, like, the only person that would rip them is, like, the local columnist. And if that person. You know who might have been fired? Because the owner at the time was a reactive guy. Ticey by Red McCombs. Yeah, Tice was just before the social media era. Yeah. Just before it and got fired by the Wilfs. But, but he, he also but, wasn't there. He was there for three years. No, right? but but he survived the uh, Cardinals meltdown in two thousand three, and I don't know in social media if you survived that if you're Tyson. Boy, yeah, because owners definitely Red follow was, the bubble of oh, outrage. Oh, so. we missed this earlier in the week. Judd's admitting too off the air. By the way, he also missed it. I want a mock. I can't believe we missed this. I want to 
I brought this to the table. Can't believe we missed this. I know. You, you brought this earlier in the week and we I just did. missed it? Yeah. Man. Do you guys read my prep emails? Absolutely. No, not really. Collar admits he pretty much just skims them and deletes them. Yeah, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> he dude. does that with pretty much all emails. I, I, I got to admit, yeah. All right. I, I look at, I open them mm-hmm. so that they're not pending and then I just sort of close them. Thanks, bud. I read them. Just so you know, oh, Phil, and so I specifically cut and pasted two talkers from your prep email. I saw that into our I saw that. today. Okay, <laughs> copy paste. And one of them is Todd McShay, <laughs> the Todd father of mocks. He has a two-round mock draft right now on ESPN.com. Let's fire this up here. All right, he's got three Vikings picks in this mock. Number one overall, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, we can we can crank baseball ambience for uh, for this. We don't need NFL films music. Joe Burrow. To the Bengals. He's got Chase Young to Washington. He's got Tua going to the Dolphins at five. Jordan Love, quarterback Utah State, going to the Chargers at six in the first, I guess, upset pick. Justin Herbert, quarterback Oregon, going to the Jaguars. And we scroll down to pick number 22. Todd Father Mock has the Vikings taking Justin Jefferson, stud wide receiver from LSU. Okay. He's got the Vikings. This is never going to happen, but he's got the Vikings taking Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs. There's no way the Vikings take Stefan Diggs' brother. In fact, there? I think they. I think there's reports that have come out and basically said the Vikings will pass on him. Yeah, like that's just there's too much bad blood at this so point. He, he's got a wide receiver twenty second, a wide receiver twenty second, an Alabama Can you cornerback. Read the, the part about the wide receiver, sure, scouting report, sure, yeah, because. Todd Father Mock says the Vikings are in the hunt for receivers and cornerbacks, and with the first two-round picks, spoiler ahead, we're going to get them one of each. Jefferson is my best available player at this point in the mock, and he knows how to generate separation and find holes in the defense. With their second-round pick, Todd McShay has the Vikings taking another Alabama defensive player, Terrell Lewis, linebacker and edge rusher, citing, quote, explosiveness off the edge. I want to mock! Mock! If that's how the first two rounds shook out, wait. So, how would you guys feel? So, wait, just uh, quickly to recap: left tackle, offensive line not addressed at all. Not in these picks. I have no comment. Rami, you want to go? I mean, I don't. I don't have extensive comments on on what I just heard. There doesn't doesn't surprise me much. I'm pretty disgusted by it. Disgusted. Yeah, you're not going to address the offensive line and and left tackle. Judd, they have so many holes. I can't. I can't even rank them at this point. I will say Justin Jefferson is a bust proof unless there's some sort of like, you know, something unforeseen pops up off the field or something. He is a bust proof talent wide receiver. That dude was so good at LSU last year. Like he's not going to be Laquan Treadwell where you're pretty sure he's going to be okay, I, but I you're can't, not. I like last year I was saying you got to get all go offensive line the first round. This year you could go cornerback, you could go wide receiver, you could go there's so many places where they need they need bodies and they need impact that no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock them if they don't get an offensive lineman with one of those first two picks like so I'll take care of that these are these are ridiculous numbers okay and I get that college numbers don't always translate but right. Justin Jefferson in addition to being six foot three 195 pounds and just carved out of wide receiver perfect specimen granite. That dude caught 111 passes in 15 games for 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns, okay? 
Like you're not you're not catching 18 touchdown passes in a single season of college football if you're not legit. And that's just like me literally watching him play five games this year and looking off the stat sheet. I think he is. I know we have a little anxiety about Troy Williamson and Laquan Treadwell and Cordero Patterson. Justin Jefferson ain't those guys. Yeah. He's he's bust proof. I think your problem right now, though, with your line and particularly the left side of your line and Cousins, is you are begging for him to fumble and or hit the ground with the ball, cradled like a baby at this rate. So you can't find you can't hit these receivers with passes. Kirk Cousins is incapable. He completely lacks the God-given ability to sense anything going on from his backside. So what would your, with those with those three picks, two first-round picks, assuming they don't trade one when, of them, when you, like what positions are you... When you gave him the extension, you triggered a ticking time bomb on yourself that demands that you shore up the left side of that line as best you possibly can immediately. It's why you don't give him the extension. I, you know what? If I was to go through one more year of him fumbling and getting hit from the blind side, I would just say, ah, it's too bad it didn't work. But you have basically put yourself, you painted yourself into a complete corner by giving him that extension, which is going to go for at least probably, what, two more years? We saw at the end of last year, boys, they were telling him, you could tell this, they were telling him, if you feel anything from your blind side, and we, we know you can't sense it, take the ball, Act like it's your firstborn child, put it against your chest, and fall down. Is that a solution for a National Football League team? Puts a pacifier in the ball. But yeah, but basically that's what it became. (laughs) So, so Rick Spielman, what you did was you put this thing in motion now, and if you don't shore up the left side of that line immediately, then doing the Cousins extension was ultimately incredibly stupid. That's my problem here. That's why I want to see what they're going to do. Because if they don't do this right, God help them, they're idiots. I would say Justin Jefferson now would I'm be... all worked up with the baseball Justin show. Jefferson me? would be the most fun pick. Yeah, I think Judd needs to calm down. I backed away from the mic. Take a 30-second respite. Thank you. Okay. You good now? Thank you. I was right off the foot. Filed it right off his foot and shaking it off there. <laughs> Is everybody calm enough to dive into some in other news action here? Oh, buddy. Oh, this doesn't. Oh, yeah. This makes me laugh. Let's do it. In other news. I think we have a first here, guys. We have in other news breaking news. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. In other news. In other news breaking news. You guys ever get the feeling that we're living in a Mad Libs simulation? Like just random things are plugged into into a computer program, and then we all act it out. Because this feels that way. Coronavirus does, or the story you're about to the read? the story I'm about to read, which involves okay. the coronavirus. Okay. Netflix's Tiger King star Joe Exotic has contracted coronavirus in prison. <laughs> of course. The reality star and big cat owner, 57, is currently serving a 22-year sentence at a federal prison in Texas for 17 charges of animal abuse and two counts of murder for hire. His fourth husband, Dylan Passage, 24, recently spoke out to say he was concerned Joe would contract the potentially deadly virus as it was present in his prison. Joe had been self-isolating but has now contracted the virus, according to a report from the prison. This comes from the mirror. Okay. Dot com. Does that story bring our entire human existence into a closed loop? (laughs) 
That's what I'm saying, man. I think it does. I think Tiger King and coronavirus coming together as one okay. closes the loop on human evolution. There's such strange times it that we live in. It signifies the end of the world. That's so weird. It? Time is a flat I think circle. That's it. Time is a flat circle. Like it's all done from now? Yeah. I don't know, man. Everything that will happen has happened after that story has You're saying game, set, match. We're just going to reset tomorrow? other news. That's a wrap. Yeah, what's next, Jonathan? That's a wrap. Asteroid hits the Earth, I guess? No, not even needed. That was just, that story was a wrap. (laughs) Whoa. Nice breaking news, though. (laughs) Thank you. Amazing. other news. I actually have some uplifting news for you guys here to start off. From KOIN.com in Lebanon, Oregon. An Oregon man is celebrating both his 104th birthday and his recovery from the novel coronavirus. Wow. That's right. That's amazing. A 104-year-old guy (laughs) who fought in World War II has recovered from coronavirus. When asked how good it feels to be 104, he said, quote, pretty good. I made it. Then he paused and said, Good for a few more. <laughs> End quote. What, are you talking to Sip? <laughs> uh, the man's name is William Bill Lapshies, and he was one of the first two residents to test positive for the disease at the Edward C. Allworth Veterans Home. To date, 15 residents have tested positive. Two have passed away. Mm. He's been isolated in his room since first showing symptoms on March 5th, but now he has passed all protocol, and he has met the guidelines by the CDC. And he has recovered at 104 years old. Listen, if Bill can recover and Bill can make it through World War II and coronavirus, we should all feel a little sense of hope and optimism. You know how I keep making fun of people who are defiant and scoff in the face of coronavirus? If there's one guy who can do it, it's the guy who made it to 104 and fought in World War II. Yes. That guy can laugh in the face of coronavirus and probably come out on the, on the winning end of it. It's good for Bill. A great story. Wow. In other news, in other news, a Washington State man who led police on a high-speed chase on Sunday may not have actually been driving the car. Officer said they found the suspect's pet pit bull behind the wheel after his 1996 Buick crashed. What? The unidentified, the unidentified 51-year-old male suspect from Lakewood, Washington, is now facing several charges, including shockingly DUI, reckless driving, hit and run, and felony eluding authorities. Said the man allegedly struck two vehicles before he fled on Interstate Five. One trooper reported seeing the pit bull in the driver's seat with the owner, <laughs> handle, handing the steering wheel from the passenger seat. The car reportedly <laughs> hit speeds of 109 miles per hour during the chase and at one point drove on a popular trail for pedestrians and cyclists. That's not funny, unfortunately. Um, state troopers eventually ended their pursuit by throwing down uh, spike strips, but then, Jeez. but then, wait, the story's not done. I have to scroll down here because it says, but then came the shocker. Washington State Patrol Officer Heather Axton said the driver told police that he was, quote, trying to teach his dog how to drive, according to CNN. <laughs> I'll just end there. What's the problem? That's really... I don't see the problem, man. He, he was trying to teach the pit bull how to drive the car. I'm just envisioning a pit bull in, like, aviator sunglasses with the seatbelt pulled around and the cop pulls up to the driver's side door and asks for license and registration. Who's a good boy? I was arguing against the notion that pit bulls are a quote-unquote dangerous breed, but behind the wheel... Probably. Yeah. Probably a That's dangerous breed. Yep. You're such a good boy. Who's a good boy? Who's a good, boy? Who's a good driver? Who's, a good boy? <laughs> Who's got their license? In other news. Who's going to speed limit? Are you going to speed limit? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs>
Has anybody in in other news? You're making me cough. That's not good. Has anybody in in other news done a story from not a city that they've been to, but an actual location that they frequented quite often in the past? Have any of us had nope. that happen? I don't think so. I have not for sure. Here's another first in other news: Oak Creek, Wisconsin. A 41-year-old Milwaukee man has been banned from the Woodman's Grocery Store for threatening to shoot an employee over toilet paper. The man admitted to threatening to blow an employee's head off at Woodman's. On March 17th, the employee had told the man he could only buy one package of toilet paper, according to Oak Creek Police Department. Uh, Police confronted the man, who was not armed and was embarrassed and apologetic. The man told officers he is stressed because he was laid off from work and can't find toilet paper. No charges were filed, but the company did issue the man a written notice of a one-year ban from the store. This is the actual grocery store that I shopped in every week when I lived in Milwaukee. Wow, dude. Yes. Yes. Wow. You know, so these people who are getting all bent out of shape about the the lack of toilet paper. Yeah, go ahead. I've discovered something. What's that? There's still no toilet paper in any of the grocery stores I've been to. It's been like three weeks. But I've discovered wet wipes. You guys ever dabble? You've never used a wet wipe before? Not not regularly. Yeah, don't flush them, dude. Really? Are you flushing them? I have flushed them. Don't flush them, them. no. No, don't flush them. Don't flush them. It'll clog the sewage pipes, which will lead to a worse problem in your apartment. It'll clog the sewage pipes or it'll clog my toilet? It'll clog all the pipes. Your apartment's kind so you're supposed to just leave gonna, like those nasty, use, dirty, yes. wet ones in the garbage. Yes, do not flush them. They do not go down the drains. That feels problematic. Phil <laughs> <laughs> would like to take back his feel-good story, so to speak. <laughs> but those are all selling. Those are all flying off the shelves too. Yeah, don't you can't find those. wet wipes. Well, I might just take Ronnie's <laughs> shower strategy if. Push comes to shove, paper, man. Yeah, Phil might have to move again very quick. But how, how does bend over and how does it? threatening to blow off the Woodman's kid's head off over toilet paper get you a one year ban from the grocery store and no charges pressed? All I'm going to say is, like I said, I used to go to this grocery store every week. I know the demographics of Oak Creek, Wisconsin, and I have a feeling that uh, this guy did not look like me or have a name that is pronounced like mine. To only get a one-year ban from the grocery store and no charges filed for threatening to blow off the grocery store clerk's head. Do you think he drank a lot? Because in Wisconsin, I would say the answer is probably yes, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a fair bet. In other news... Gentlemen, I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of these people that I am going to read a story about. Okay. And ask, if the shoe was on that foot, would you go to this length to generate a salary? Okay. This is from Vice.com. The coronavirus pandemic has led to a surge of adult content online with websites or apps like OnlyFans and Is My Girl offering laid off workers the chance to make up for lost income. Camera models say it undermines their hustle. So what's happening is these websites are allowing random people, women in this case, to, uh, shall we say, provide naked therapy in front of the camera for men who decide to visit these websites. And they get paid for it. And they're taking away from the professionals that make a living, sometimes six Isn't figures. every cam it. girl just a random person? Like, are there... Yeah, essentially. Well, there's a woman named... Do they have degrees? There's, like a, there's a woman named Taylor Stevens that. who is prominently quoted in this article who used to work 40 to 50 hours per week. And now she works about 80 hours per week. 
her income has doubled over the past few weeks, but some are not getting as much time because randoms are coming in, having lost their jobs, and are now becoming naked therapists on these websites. So if you guys... If you guys found yourselves in a difficult situation with no job, and there was would a I be market, a cam girl? Yeah. Would you, you be? Would you be? Would you be a naked cam girl, cam boy therapist? Would you be able to do it forty hours a week? I don't talk, think so, talking man. to strangers. This is not the I don't next think so. Happy hour quarantine. I don't think I could. <laughs> we get another happy hour quarantine tonight at eight. If you uh, <laughs> could, I be drinking. Sure. No, then heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, other news. I'm going to I'm going to deviate slightly because because I think we might need to play around with with our uh, quarantine happy hour tonight. Because oh. because Fox Sports One tonight at seven o'clock Central is going to re-air the Minneapolis Miracle. Interesting. And and then on NBC Sports Network. A doubleheader will celebrate Brett Favre's final game at Lambeau, the 2010 game, at 7 o'clock as a Viking. And then it looks like at 9.30 they're going to show um, uh, a Bears game involving Rami's favorite quarterback, Jay Cutler. Wow. The Minneapolis Miracle might be intriguing. What, what channel is Minneapolis Miracle going to be on? FS1. Okay. Has everybody done their uh, scheduled viewing for tomorrow's action movie review? Not yet. That, that's Nine what I was going to do tonight. I got okay. all, I got all upstairs, Rami. <laughs> Judd watches it weekly. That was from my wife. Bleep you and die. In other news, great Seagal. just great Seagal. Guys, in these times, we need we need some we need solid leadership, right? That's what we really need in these times. Yeah. <laughs> and a Kentucky mayor is providing just that. Mayor Gabe Brown of Walton, Kentucky, posted this motivational message on his Facebook page. Last week, March 23rd. Listen up, dip bleeps and sensible people. I might not have the best bedside manner. I might not put you at ease like the governor does, but I don't care. You need to realize this is a serious ordeal. In fact, it's a big bleeping deal. Stay at home. I didn't give you information to induce panic. I give you information so that you'd be informed. Maybe, just maybe... I am privy to information that you aren't. I'm sorry for being the gossiping mayor. I'm tired of COVID-19 conference calls. I take three a day plus one extra on the weekend with Kenton, Kentucky. If you don't like what I'm telling you, then go buy some toilet paper. I pray every night that the state, county, and region that I love with all of my heart will stop doing nonsensical things. Treat this seriously. If you don't, then screw you. Bleep you is what I want to say, but I can't. This will pass. Take it seriously. It is here. Act like you have the virus and don't spread it to other people. I have no doubt that it hasn't already been here, but testing had been limited. More cases are coming. If you ignore this problem, the worst thing that could happen is that your mother, grandfather, grandmother, and uncles could die. Be responsible. If you don't, then screw you. Warmest regards, Mayor Gabe Brown. That is my Kentucky, mayor. right? Yes. And get and guess who lives in a ranch that is in that city? Mike Zimmer. Yes, he does. Really? That's where Zimmer lives. Somebody who tweeted That's it Mike right Zimmer's away. mayor. That's Mike Zimmer's mayor. In fact, I would say I would ask one simple question. Has anybody seen Zim and the mayor of Zim's Kentucky town <laughs> in the same place at the same time? Because I think there's a fighting chance that Zim's the mayor of that city. In other news. Gentlemen, last story here in our final 60 seconds or so. This is from Fox 5 New York, and it's the least surprising story in, in other news history. 
U.S. sales of alcoholic beverages rose 55% (laughs) in the week ending March 21st, according to market research firm Nielsen. Spirits like tequila, gin, and pre-mixed cocktails led the way, with sales jumping 75% compared to the same period last year. Wine sales were up 66%, (laughs) while beer sales rose 42%, and online sales far outpaced in-store sales. Nielsen said online alcohol sales were up 243% year over year during that period. Yep. There you go. In other news. And I say, why not? <laughs> sounds like sounds Judd like Zolgad and to Phil me. Mackey have contributed yep. to a large percentage of that yep. as well. And I'm sure our wives are helping as well, <laughs> yep. so God bless yep. them. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for this baseball ambience edition of Mackey and Judd with Rami here on Score North and the Score North app. We'll come back tomorrow with Friday Fun Day and Action Movie Rewind, version 2. As always, In Other News is powered by Josh Arnold Investments here on Mackie and Jub with Rami. And it's time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. You can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct. His number 952-925-5608. Or you can listen to Josh right now with the Market Minute. Good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Judd. Another volatile day on Wall Street, though the volatility index has continued to come down. The market did did finish up 469 points, closing at 21,413. The S&P was also up, as was NASDAQ. NASDAQ got a nice boost from part of the FANG stocks. Apple up, Amazon very strong, Netflix up, and Google up. Facebook continued down as advertising continued to fall off for Facebook. Uh, that the ad revenues uh, continue to be a little bit soft, and that is reflected in a lot of advertising-related industries, not only with Facebook but also with some of the uh, broadcasters and also a company called The Trade Desk. Um, so that is something definitely to pay attention to. The market uh, did move up today on the strength of energy and a possible deal between the Saudis and the Russians to limit production. Um, that helped boost uh, numerous energy energy stocks, and the price of oil uh, was up from its close yesterday at $20 a barrel to a close of $25 a barrel today. I'm still, and that and that move up not only helped the energy complex, but it also helped the banking complex and the high yield complex primarily because that could, uh, I'll say, a stabilization of the price of oil could help these companies and those that have uh, loans that are administered through the banks and through through bonds, and that could be a positive overall for the market. That said, I still am avoiding and recommending avoiding investing in the energy patch. There's still way too much uh, oil and natural gas available, and still avoiding investing in financials. I do like and continue to recommend uh, companies in technology and 
including companies that uh, we've mentioned and some semiconductors, particularly those that uh, help uh, in 5G production and into the stay-at-home economy. So that will pound pound on stay-at-home economy-related uh, companies, uh, 5G and other technology-related companies, places to be, and if you want some consumer staples, including some old favorites like Pepsi, McDonald's, and Coca-Cola, people are still eating and drinking. Sounds good, Josh. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got it. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.